Hey guys, I'm Pastor Jason Shirley. I'm the associate pastor right here at Word of Life Church in Carlsbad, New Mexico. And I'm really excited that you have joined us today online. Just a couple of things. I want you to drop us a line if you're watching wherever in the world and let us know where you're watching from. We would love to hear from you. Second, if you want to partner with us today in a financial way, then you can give by texting 84321 and just text your amount, or you can go to our website, wolcarlsbad.com, and you can click the Give tab and give that way. The last thing today is that if you have any needs or anything like that that we can partner with you on, then drop us a line and send us that, and we're going to partner with you in prayer. I believe today is going to be a wonderful day. I want you to open up your heart to receive from the Word of God today and always remember that God is madly in love with you. Let's get to the service. Amen. Well, are you ready for some Word this morning? Hallelujah. Well, I've got a Word in my heart today that I am so excited to share with you. Just some... uh, Getting to know Jesus, it's not really a, a Father's Day message, but uh, I believe that some things that, that uh, uh, you know, the Lord has been, has been dealing with me about some, uh, some things, and we've, we've gone through, even before, uh, before the pandemic hit and all that stuff, we were already dealing with some challenges and some, some changes, and uh, some things that were going on and, and that uh, the Lord began to take us a different direction with some things. And, and uh, you know, anytime you begin to take a different direction, there's some people that like it, some people that don't. It happens, you know. And, of course, that happens when you don't change, too. Some people want you to change, and, you know, so. Uh, uh, but... Uh, but whenever you begin to make changes, there are challenges associated with that. And then those things were complicated when pandemic became a thing. And, uh, you know, it, uh, it, it really, coming out of pandemic, it, was, it, it to us in, in uh, pastoral leadership, it... It almost felt like church planting all over again, and uh, you know we began to have to we, we we had to learn to to navigate through all of the things that that pandemic brought our way, and uh, uh, we made some people mad, we made some people happy, you know there there were people that that uh, uh, well they they thought we should require masks. Other people thought we we should forbid masks, and uh, you know we couldn't make both sides happy. We actually were in the middle on that. If you want to wear a mask, wear one. If you don't, then don't. And uh, you know that's that's kind of where we came off on that. But uh, um, you know the 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 thing is that um, we are in a place right now that we are rebuilding some things and, and, and um, we made some changes that uh, we really felt were led by the Spirit of God. And we still feel that, it, 
that we were led by the Spirit of God to do what we did. But just recently, the Lord uh, has begun to speak to me about some things that, um, uh, that we need to bring back that we used to do. Now, I'm, I'm not saying that moving away from it was the wrong thing because I, I believe it was the right thing for a time. But, uh, you know, w- one of the things is that we used to, at the end of the sermon, we would give an invitation and we would invite people to come forward for, uh, for prayer. We would lay hands on the sick and that kind of thing. And, uh, uh, you know, it is a, uh, we stopped doing it that way, not because we didn't believe in that anymore. We stopped doing it that way because there were some changes that had to take place within us. And I've shared this with people that, um, you know, there were times when I would be laying hands on the sick and I would, I could feel that people were looking to me to be the healer. I'm not the healer. Jesus is the healer. I am the instrument through which he works. And so we just begin to say, okay, we're going to minister healing right where you're sitting. How many believe that Jesus can actually heal you in your seat? Praise God. How many believe that, that I, and I stand by this statement, that the communion table, the bread of the communion table is God's highest and best way for a believer to receive healing for their body. And I stand by that, and, and, and I will always say that because it's Bible. His body was broken so that your body could be whole. Praise God. Praise God. And so, uh, you know, we, we begin to do things a little bit different, but the Lord has been speaking to me about going back to some things that we did before. And uh, so I've been dealing with me for uh, a... a uh, couple of months about that and uh, maybe a little bit longer. And so um, last Sunday morning when Pastor Swan was here and, uh, and he came over to pray for me, he spoke a word to me. And um, now he had no idea about any of what I just told you. But here's what he said to me. He said, you've got to get people back in the altar. Now, I didn't tell him the Lord's already been talking to me about that, and that's already what we're planning on doing. But but he said that as a confirming word from the Lord, you've got to get people back in the altar. So, beginning today, we're going to begin. So, if if you're here today and you're, you're needing healing in your body, you're needing something from the Lord that that uh, you're wanting God to do for you, then I want you to understand that the, just sit in and let your faith build up as we minister the word of God today. And 
we're going to get people back in the altar. Now, part of that, and see, here's what, there's something we're going to do too. And that is that when we come back in the altar, I mentioned earlier that when I was a kid, we had the altar benches that people would come down and pray. There's going to be times, now it may, have, may not happen every week, but there are going to be times when I'm going to call you to come pray. And when I do, the altar's not that way, okay? The altar's up here, all right? Now, we may not have the benches. We've got the edge of a platform here. We've got chairs across the front here that you can kneel and you can spend some time in praying. People's lives were transformed in those times of prayer around the altars. Praise God. Praise God. But you see, none of this works. I mentioned a, a few weeks ago, I said, I am tired of the clock. And so... That was part of what the Lord's been dealing with me about. That we're, we don't want to put God in a, uh, in a time frame and say, okay, God, you got this long. Now, I understand if we have multiple services that you got to get one crowd out and the next one in. Okay, I get that. Uh, but that's not where we are. And there may come a time when, when uh, we have to do that but we don't have to do that today. And right now, there is time for us to, to take and get done what needs to be done. And, and, and another thing that Pastor Swan said to me, he said, those who don't want it, let them go. Now, it, so, all right, here's, here's the word. I, that was a, a confirming word from the Lord for me that I was, you know, I, I, I am thankful that the Lord speaks things through people that confirm what you're already hearing from God. And so here's the deal. If you can't stay, we're not condemning you, all right? Don't, don't feel condemned. But if you want that, that kind of ministry in your life, then I'm here to tell you today, it's back. Praise God. It's back. And, uh, um, you know, you say, Pastor, so, so you may, are you saying you made a mistake? No, that's not what I said. I said there were some things God needed to work out in us. There's some things God needed to do in us. And, you know, there, there are some things that, you know, I grew up seeing a lot of this go on. And I'm, I'm just talking to you from my heart right now. I'm not even in my message today yet. We'll get there. But uh, I'm just speaking to you from my heart today that we saw so much emotionalism in that there was no God in it. It was just working up an emotion. And, uh, you know, I, I'll tell you this, that um, I was speaking in the Philippines one time. And just to make a point, I'm going to say this, but uh, uh, there was, I gave an invitation for people to receive the baptism with the Holy Spirit. And 
People came and lined up across the front. There was about 14, 15 people that came and lined up across the front to receive the baptism with the Holy Spirit. And I started at one end laying hands on people to receive the Holy Spirit. And as soon as I got close to them, I didn't even touch them. As soon as I got close to them, they began to shake and began to uh, just jabber and, you know, it, it, they weren't speaking with tongues. They were trying to speak with tongues. Uh, and so I went down about three people, and every one of them did that. And they didn't receive a thing. And so I stopped, and I instructed my interpreter. I said, maybe they're not understanding me. Tell them to calm down. So she told them to calm down. We started over again, back at the beginning of the line. One, two, same thing, all over again. And they weren't receiving anything from God, nothing. And so we tried it again. Finally, the, the fourth time, I said, explain to them, I don't want them to pray. I don't want them to shake. I don't want them to, to, to try to do anything. I want them to lift their hands, and when I lay hands on them, then they can begin to speak in an unknown tongue. And so she told them that and explained that to them. We went back to the beginning, and boom, 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 every single one of them began to speak with other tongues. But it, and, and see, there... I, I told that story because it was a very good illustration of what I'm talking about today. That there are times when we, this is, this is why Pentecostal, charismatic, word of faith people have a reputation for, uh, for, for just wild and crazy things that make no sense, that just, you know, and, and for just being overly emotional, but it never changes their life. And I've seen that for many years. I saw people that would fall under the power, get up, and nothing changed. You know, we had a lady one time many years ago that uh, in the church where I was an associate pastor, uh, you know, she came forward one night in a prayer line. Pastor laid hands on her. She hit the floor hard because the catchers missed her. And when she got up, she was not feeling good. And uh, so the pastor called her aside to talk to her, and he, and he asked her this. He said, why did you fall? She said, because I always fall. You understand what I'm saying here? That she fell because, well, this is what I always do. And so this is the kind of thing that if you fall under the power of God, that is perfectly acceptable. I don't want you falling just because you always fall. If you get emotional as the Spirit of God comes upon you and you begin to weep or you begin to shout or you begin to dance or you begin to holler, 
that's perfectly acceptable. I don't want you doing it just because that's what you always do. You see, and God needed to work some of these things out of us. Now we're going to come back and we're going to move in the true power of God. We're going to flow in the true power of God because we've learned that this is not... It's not the only way you can receive from God. You come desiring a relationship with God and you desire a move of the Holy Spirit in your life. Let Holy Spirit do what Holy Spirit does, but don't try to tell Holy Spirit what to do. Are you following me? And I said, this is not even, I didn't even start on my message today. But I want you to understand what's happening. Praise God. Praise God. And, and, and if, can anybody um, uh, agree with that? Can anybody accommodate that? Praise God. Praise God. You know, it's okay. I believe in shouting. I believe in dancing before the Lord. I believe in speaking with tongues. I believe in the gifts of the Spirit and manifestation. I believe in laying hands on the sick. Always have, never stopped. Praise God. But God needed to work some things out of us. And that was the emotionalism in where we were trying to work something up in order to get something from God. Now, He's been telling me this, and he confirmed it with the word last week that uh, now we're ready to move into a new realm. Praise God. Praise God. So when we come, I want you to expect to receive from Jesus, not from me. Praise God. I want you to expect Jesus to meet you here, not to pull something out of me, that, you know, it, it's Jesus that is going to heal your body. It's Jesus that's going to meet your need. Praise God. It's what he did at the cross that is enough for you today. Praise God. Praise God. Are you ready for today's message? Amen. <laughs> Matthew, first chapter. We're talking about knowing Jesus, praise God. And in Matthew, the first chapter, I want you to look at verse number 23. And this is another thing we need to be doing. We need to have a Bible. I don't care if it's print Bible. I don't care if it's on your tablet, your phone. I don't care what it's on, but you need to have a Bible with you in church. Praise God. In some form that you can follow along, see, because... Once again, it's not what I say that matters. It's what God said that matters. And you need to see in your Bible that God really did say it. Praise God. Praise God. So here we go. Matthew chapter 1, verse number 23 says, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us, but you keep that one phrase in mind, God with us. You know, I hear, I have heard for my whole life, I've heard people say, well, wouldn't it have been wonderful to be here 
when Jesus was here. Wouldn't it have been great to have walked with Jesus on the shores of Galilee? Wouldn't it have been great to have been there when he fed the 5,000? Wouldn't it have been great to have been there when he raised the dead? Wouldn't it have been great? Jesus says, it's better for you now. Now, I'm going to tell you why. Praise God. Because, first of all, his name is translated as God with us. Praise God. So do you believe what he said? Do you believe what his name means? Do you believe he's with us? See, we're not talking about a guy that used to be here. We're talking about somebody who is presently, right now, right this moment, with us. Praise God. Praise God. Now, if he is with us, it would be in our best interest to get to know him. Praise God. John chapter 14, verse number 15. He says, if you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you, how long? How long? Forever. That he may abide with you forever. So, he's talking about Holy Spirit that will come and would abide with us forever. So, if, how many believe that Holy Spirit does what God sent him to do? I mean, does does Holy Spirit just go off and do his own thing? No, he does only but exactly what Father God sent him to do. So according to this verse that we just read, what did Father God send him to do? I mean, just not, not a whole bunch of things God sent him to do, but according to just what's in this verse, that's all I want to know right now. To help us and to abide with us forever. So, if Father God sent him to abide with us forever, then is he still abiding with us? Praise God. Praise God. Is he going to be abiding with you when you go home today? Was he abiding with us last week? Was he abiding with us last month? Was he abiding with us during the middle of the pandemic? Is he going to be abiding with us next year? Praise He, he said he w- was sent to abide with us forever. Now, how long is that? There you go. Right there. Amen. He says, I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth. So now he is identifying who this helper is. He says, he is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive 
because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him, for he dwells where? With you and will be. Now keep in mind, when is Jesus saying this? Jesus is saying this at approximately what time period? 2,000 years ago, right? Okay. I know that was kind of tricky. You wasn't sure where I was going with that. But uh, Jesus was saying this about 2,000 years ago. And he said, he dwells with you and will be in you. Now, in reference to God's timeline and the way the biblical timeline, was this before or after Jesus went back to heaven? It was before Jesus went back to heaven. When was Holy Spirit going to come? When did he come? After. Jesus told this, and so that's why he said it in the tense that he said it. He said, he is with you and he will be in you. But the will be was fulfilled not very long, just, just, a, a, just a few weeks after this. The, the will be was fulfilled. He came and he not only dwells in you or, or with you, but now he dwells in you as well. Praise God. So he says he is, will, he's with you and he will be in you. And then Jesus says, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Now, now that, that, that might sound strange to somebody who doesn't understand. Jesus said, I will come to you. But Jesus went back to heaven. So did Jesus, did he tell a fib right there? You know, I mean, he, he said, I will come to you. Do you realize that because God the Father, God the Word, God the Holy Spirit are three in one? Praise God. There's not three gods. There are three expressions of God. God the Father, God the Word, and God the Holy Spirit. So for Holy Spirit to come and dwell in you is equivalent to Jesus coming and dwelling in you. He said the Father will send you another helper. The word another there is another of exactly the same kind. He is exactly like me, so it is equivalent to me coming to you. Praise God. All right, so then let, let's go on. In John chapter 14, let's look at verse 15 again. He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Now, we've talked about this. We've been learning for 10 years now. We've been learning the gospel of grace. And in learning the gospel of grace, we have learned that our relationship with God is not based on keeping commandments. Now, does that mean we don't need to keep commandments? No, no. You realize it's good for you to live by some commandments? Do you realize it's to your advantage to not bear false witness? It is good for you to not bear false witness. 
That is the right way that a believer should live. It is good that you do not murder. Because if you do, you are likely going to prison. And if you do, you have stolen a father, a mother, a son, a daughter. You have stolen someone from someone else's life that can never come back. God can forgive you, but that does not bring back the, the person that you took from them. You can be forgiven, but you can't undo it. See, so it is good for you to keep some commandments. Now, if your spouse is sitting next to you, turn to them and say, and it would be good for you to not commit adultery. Am I right? Yeah. All right, so it's good that you keep some commandments. And in fact, every single one of the Ten Commandments, your righteousness is not based on you keeping those Ten Commandments. It's based upon the fact that Jesus kept those commandments. And you have accepted him and are in him. But it is good for you to keep those commandments. Praise God. So, here we go. If you love me, Keep my commandments. Now, let's notice the next thing he said in verse 16. I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. Now, do you, do you see that there, notice what he said. If you love me, keep my commandments. I'm going to send you a helper. You get that? Let, let, let's Let's look at those as if they're one verse, all right? If you love me, keep my commandments. I'm going to ask the Father to send you a helper. Do you think maybe it's because in order to keep the commandments, you need help? Now, see, here's the, here's the issue. We've been trying to keep the commandments in order to get the helper, Hmm, How, what's, what's wrong with that? We're trying to keep the commandments so that we could get a helper. So we could, you know, I mean, I remember in those days when we knelt around the altar bench and they said, if you want to receive, if you want to get, the way they said it back then, if you want to get filled with the Holy Ghost, you need to make sure there's no sin in your life. And if you don't get rid of, you know, maybe the reason you're not getting filled with the Holy Ghost is because there's sin in your life. But the reason there's sin in my life is because I need the Holy Ghost. So do you see the problem here? I can't get the helper until I get rid of the sin, but I can't get rid of the sin until I get the helper. Huge problem. 
Maybe we misunderstood something. Praise God. Maybe he's going to send a helper to help me get the sin out. Praise God. He tells me to keep his commandments, but he knows I can't do it. By works of the law, no flesh shall be justified because no one can keep the commandments by themselves on their own. He didn't say no one can keep the commandments. He said you can't do it on your own through your self-effort. So he said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And don't worry, I'm going to send you somebody to help you. Did you get that? I mean, do you, do you didn't, didn't that make a lot more sense than get rid of all your sin and then the helper will come? You know, it makes much more sense to say he's going to send somebody to help me to get this out of my life. You see, here is why he is called a helper because he's come to help you get the crud out of your life. Now, there's a big problem when you start understanding the grace message as I don't need to get anything out of my life. You have totally misunderstood the gospel of grace. When you say I don't need to change, I don't need to keep the commandments, I don't need to, you know, I don't... I don't need to quit committing adultery. I don't need to quit lying. I don't need to quit stealing. I don't need to do this. I don't need to do that. See, there's a big problem when you start to think that way. You don't understand grace. Grace is that there is a helper who has come to help you. Let's don't call him the helper if he comes after we don't need any help. I mean, really, when, when you're doing, you, you, you know, somebody calls you and they say, well, you know, what are you doing today? Well, I'm just doing some work in my yard and, and uh, you know, well, you need some help? Yeah, I need some help. Well, okay. And then they show up after you're finished. You know, anybody ever have a friend like that? <laughs> you know, they, they showed up after you got finished. Well, Holy Spirit's not like that. Holy Spirit's not like, do you need some help? Yes, I need some help. Okay, right there. <laughs> He's there. He is there to help you. Now, help does not imply that you don't have any part in it. You know, I've also been on the other end of that thing too where you showed up to help someone and they did nothing. And, you know, that's not what Holy Spirit does either. You know, you... <laughs> so Jesus says then in verse 18, I will not leave you orphaned. I will come to you. Praise God. You see, because here's the deal. I used to preach it like this. 
that if you sin, Holy Spirit leaves. Well, you know, I mean, Holy Spirit, he's, he's not going to live in a dirty house. And I used to hear that preached. Holy Spirit won't live in a dirty house. So if your house is dirty, he's leaving. But here's what the Lord spoke to me the other day as I was meditating on this. He said, Holy Spirit said this on the inside of me. He said, you treat me like the house guest that you need to impress. I'm really the guy on hoarders that comes to help you clean up the mess. Anybody ever watch hoarders? I mean, that's disgusting. Yeah. Holy Spirit said, I've come to help you clean up the mess. You know, I'm not the, the guy that's coming over and you have to get everything cleaned up for me so that I so that you can impress me. I'm not impressed by you, is what he's saying. I'm not impressed by anything you do. I'm not impressed by it. I didn't come to be impressed. I came to help you. Praise God. Amen. So, here's the question. What chance do we have if the helper moves out? What chance do we have if Holy Spirit leaves? If he departs from us right when we need him the most because we have messed up and we've got this thing filthy and then he, he's gone. So he left because, you know, he couldn't live in a dirty house. You need him most when your house is nasty. You need him most, and he doesn't leave when you need him most. Praise God. Praise God. Now, he's helped you to, he came to help you overcome sin. That's why he stays when you sin. Now, I suppose if you really wanted to kick him out, I guess maybe you could. I don't know. But uh, I know for one, I don't want to kick him out. And, uh, you know, for, for those that would say, well, you know, you can, you, you can, you can fall and, and the Holy Spirit leaves. Well, I, I suppose maybe you could kick him out because, after all, when you got born again, he didn't take the power of choice away from you. So if you really wanted to get rid of him, then I suppose maybe you could. I, I, I'm not going into that debate because, you know, I got to ask this question, why would you want to? Why would you want to kick your help out? I don't want to. I can't imagine that you would want to. Praise God. You know, uh, the Apostle Paul wrote this to the Corinthians. 
and I got to jump ahead to another place here and then come back. Sometimes I write these things and then I find out my order wasn't very good. Um, but uh, anyway, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we know verse 17 well. Uh, you know, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. All things have passed away and behold, all things have become new. But let's back up to verse 16. He says, therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Let's read that again. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. What does that mean that I know him according to the flesh? All right? The word tells us in, in John chapter 1, in verse 14, says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So we know him as in the flesh dwelling among us. So in other words, many people know him as a baby in a manger. Was that according to the flesh? Come on, it's okay to... It's okay to answer. Let me ask one more time. I'm hearing some, this, this side, I don't think they're smarter than this side. Uh, but they're answering the questions. You know, so, so we need some answers from both sides because you guys are, oh, I see. Okay. But uh, we know him as a baby in a manger. Is that according to the flesh? Yes. Okay. We know him as a teacher on the shores of Galilee. Is that according to the flesh or according to the spirit? Flesh. We know him as a healing Jesus. Is that according to the flesh or according to the spirit? The flesh. We know him as a miracle worker. Was that according to the flesh or according to the spirit? Flesh. He walked on water. Which was that? Flesh. So many people, that's all they know of Jesus. He came in the flesh. He dwelt among us. He went about doing good. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. He cast out demons. He uh, walked on water. He turned water into wine. All of these things, they know all this about Jesus, and they say that he can do it again. All right? But what they know is all according to the flesh. But he says, now 
we know him thus no longer. So what does that mean? Go to Colossians chapter 1. Verse number 27. To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So let me ask this question. Does he dwell in you according to the flesh or according to the spirit? Did a flesh and bone, flesh and blood, Jesus come and move on the inside of you? No. He came and dwelt on the inside of you according to the spirit. So, according to the flesh, he went back to heaven. But according to the spirit, he's in you right now, right here. Do you get that? What does that mean? We know, you know, we've known him according to the flesh, but now we don't know him according to the flesh. Now we know him according to the spirit because he dwells in you because Christ in you is the hope of glory. Praise God. Now, here's the thing. You see, anytime we're talking about something in the flesh, there is the element of separation. Remember the story in John chapter 11 where Jesus, they, they were getting ready to stone Jesus, so he went away. The Bible says he went away to the place where John baptized at first. So if you look that up, you find out that John baptized on the Jordan River at a place called Bethabara. And so Jesus went away to Bethabara. Well, while he is gone, his friend Lazarus becomes ill. And so Lazarus's sisters, they sent for Jesus. Well, I don't know if they knew where he was or not, but anyway, it took some time. It took at least a day for them to travel, even if they knew exactly where he was and didn't have to look for him, it would have taken at least a day for them to travel from Bethany, where Lazarus was, to Bethabara. All right, so there, there's a day right there that, that they're traveling. Let, let's assume they knew right where he was and that they traveled to where he was just straight, let's go get Jesus. And so... They come to Jesus and they tell him, you know, Lazarus is sick. And so um, Jesus, the Bible says he waited two more days in the place where he was. Uh, and so now we're up to three days. At, we're, we're, we're at this three-day point. Now it's going to take another day for them to get from Bethbara back to Bethany. So now we're at four days. Remember, they came and they told Jesus, they said, Lazarus is sick. Jesus said to his disciples, Lazarus is dead. So Jesus knew that he had died. So why 
would, you know, uh, he waits two days. Some people say, well, Jesus waited two days so that Lazarus could die, so he could go and work a greater miracle. Well, that's ridiculous. Uh, if you just study the timelines, you see that that's absurd. Jesus did not wait two days for Lazarus to die. In fact, Lazarus probably died as soon as they went to find Jesus. When they brought him news, Lazarus was just sick, as far as they knew. And so Lazarus died, but Jesus said, we're going to go there. And when Jesus comes to where Lazarus was, Martha, Lazarus' sister, she comes out and she says to Jesus, if you had been here, Lazarus, our brother, would not have died. If you had been here, our brother would not have died. Now, get this. Why was Jesus not there? Now, we could go into the reason, well, they were trying to stone him. They were, that's not what I'm talking about. Why was Jesus not there? Jesus was not there because he was in the flesh, right? He could not be at Bethabara and where Lazarus was at the same time because he is, a, we, we knew him then according to the flesh. So according to the flesh, there is this element of separation. But now Jesus says, I'm going to go away and I'm going to send the helper and he is going to come and abide with you forever. He says, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you according to the Spirit. So do you see this? If it had been according to the Spirit, if we had known him according to the Spirit at that time, Jesus could have been both places according to the Spirit. So now do you see why Jesus said, it's better for you that I go away? Because if I don't go away, the comforter won't come. I can't dwell in you according to the flesh. I have to come and dwell in you according to the Spirit. So if I come and dwell in you according to the Spirit, then if I'm over here, I can also be over here. And I can be over there. And I can be back there. And I can, you know. So that he says, better for you that I go away. Praise God. And now he is not, Jesus is out of town today. He's out of town, but he's here too. Praise God. I mean, do you, do you see that? Now, there are some things that Jesus could not accomplish according to the flesh. There are some things, you see, there are some things which cannot be produced externally. They must be produced internally. Jesus externally 
could tell you, thou shalt not steal. But Jesus internally could change you to where you're not a thief. You get that? Jesus externally could tell you the commandment says this, but he couldn't keep the commandment for you. He, he, couldn't, he couldn't change you into a righteous man or woman externally because no one is justified by works of the law. So even if you did what he said, he couldn't change your heart externally. But because he came according to the Spirit and he moved internal, now he can begin to change you from the inside. So it's better that he went away so that we don't know him according to the flesh anymore, but now we know him according to the Spirit. Now get this. Let's go over to, to James real quick. And just because I said we're going to throw the clock away, that doesn't mean I'm going to preach forever. You know, this thing will come to an end. Um, and, and it will very soon. Where am I? I am looking for Jay. There we go. All right. Well, let's look at Hebrews first. Hebrews chapter 13. It's just a page turn away from James 1. In Hebrews 13, verse number 6, the last part of the verse, he says, um, in fact, uh, let me just read that whole thing there. Verse, verse 4. He says, marriage is honorable among all, and the bed undefiled. But foreigners, fornicators, and adulterers, God will judge. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he has said, now let, let's pause right there for just a moment. He just laid out some instructions, some commandments. He says, Marriage is honorable. He says the, the bed or the marriage bed is undefiled. But fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. Then he says, let your conduct be without covetousness. So he said, don't covet, don't commit adultery, don't covet. Uh, and he says, be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now that sounds just like what we said earlier, doesn't it? He said, here's the commandments. Keep these commandments. But I'm going to send you someone to help you. He says, I will never leave you. Or forsake you. I have moved on the inside of you and I am in you to help you do what I just told you to do. 
Do you, do you see how, how he did that? I'm going to go away. I'm going to come back in the person of the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to move on the inside of you. Now, you keep these commandments, but I'm going to help you do it. Praise God. That's the gospel of grace. Gospel of grace did, did not say, uh, you know, that you know, marriage is honorable among all um, and the bed undefiled, but fornicators and, and adulterers, God will judge. But now that we're under grace, it's okay for you to go ahead and live that way. That's not what he said. He said, no, I'm going to come and I'm going to move in you and I'm going to help you to do this. I'm going to help you live this way. Praise God. And then he says, for, you know, so that we can boldly say, the Lord is my helper. So every time you're tempted to break a commandment, you just say, the Lord is my helper. Praise God. That's what he's come to do. The Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me. Now, James then says, just flip a page over to James 1, verse number 20. He says this. We, you know, if we ask this question, say, I, I will never overcome sin by fearing what man can do to me. You see that? I'll never overcome sin by fearing what man can do to me. Has that? How many people does that deter? What man can do to you? You know, I mean, does that deter someone? Well, her husband might get mad at me, so I guess I won't do this. No, you still do it. We'll just hide it. We'll still do it, you know. I really want that. So did that, you know, but I might get caught. No, they still take it anyway. What man can do to me does not, he's fearing man does not deter or does not keep you from breaking the commandments. He's, but the Lord is my helper will help you overcome. Praise God. Because here's what James said. James 1 verse 20. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. The wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. But Christ in you does. Praise God. The hope of glory. Do you get that? I mean... This just started exploding on the inside of me this week. You know, Christ in me versus Christ with me. According to the flesh versus according to the spirit. See, we, it's good that we know what Jesus did according to the flesh. But it's better that we know that he's in us. Praise God. Praise God. Father, we thank you today for the revelation that has come forth by the Spirit of God. Father, I, I trust that what we've shared today 
has been a help and a strength and, a, and an encouragement. Praise God. I want to give you an invitation. First of all, if you have never received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, he wants to move in you. So he can be in you just like we talked about today. He wants to move in you, but you have to let him come in. You, have, you let him come in by believing what he came to do. He came to pay the penalty for your sins. Praise God. And then he rose victorious so you could have new life. Praise God. So right now, if you've never received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, there is not a chance for you to keep the commandments. There is not a chance for you to overcome sin. There is not a chance for you to do that without Christ in you. But he wants to move in if you let him. How do I let him move in? Well, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved from all this stuff that you want to do but couldn't. Praise God. So if you want Jesus to come into your life and move on the inside of you and be the helper he talked about, why don't you just repeat this after me. Say, God in heaven, I thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on a cross for me, that he paid the penalty for all of my sins, and then he rose again from the dead so I could have new life. Jesus, I choose you to be my Lord and to be my Savior today. I invite you to move in. Thank you for saving me. Amen. Thank you once again for joining us today online. We value you and we want to hear from you. If you made a decision for Christ today, you can select I Choose Jesus on our website. And we've got a couple videos for you to watch so that you can get started on your walk with God. We've also got a free ebook that you can download right from our website called I Choose Jesus. And I want to encourage you to do that. Once again, thank you for joining us and remember that God is madly in love with you.